You're listening to the She's Marked podcast. Thank you all for joining in. I honestly hope that you and your loved ones are safe considering how we have all been impacted one way or another in this pandemic. There has been a whirlwind of things happening on our planet since we last touched on this series. And for that reason, we took a little pause. But I have every intention to return to the series, and that is what we're going to be doing today. Some of the things that I have been working on since the last episode in May, I released a series entitled For the Moms, Our Life in Words, and I had the privilege of featuring a handful of mothers who were willing to share insight, wisdom, and some of their experiences in their journey of motherhood with the world. And it was a really, really successful series. I'm so proud of it. I'm so thankful for the women who decided to say yes and join me for that. I invite you all to check out the series. You can find it over on my blog, markedlifeblog.com. There are plenty of stories to read. I'm sure that you all can relate in some way or another. Another thing that I have been working on for actually some time now is my ebook called Through the Turbulence. And I am so very close to the end of putting the finishing touches on this ebook. It has certainly been a learning curve for me as far as formatting and things like that. But I'm hoping that I'll be able to release through the turbulence sometime this summer, if not this month, then August. And if not August, then hopefully September. But Long story short, I'm hoping to be able to put that out sometime this year. And Through the Turbulence is a collection of prayers that I wrote over the past several years, especially during times where I was really in rocky, hard, hard places, and I didn't know if I was necessarily going to make it out. So it's a very vulnerable, gut-honest, raw book of prayers to God from those places of desperation Um, I never intended for it to be something that was made public. But when I experienced God's freedom and his deliverance, I realized that it was something that I needed to put out there. Not all of my prayers, but some of them for the encouragement of other women who are in those turbulent places. So be on the lookout for that. And also, I decided to deactivate my social media accounts. So I still have the It's Hannah page, but my personal handles on both Facebook and Instagram have been taken down. And I felt led to do that last year. I have been on social media for 15 years straight. I've never taken a break. I've never stepped away. And it has really consumed a lot of my time. I'm not totally knocking social media because it has been a benefit in many ways, but it has also been an idol for me in many ways. When I made the the choice to start aligning myself more with God's way and loving him with my whole heart, my whole mind, my whole soul, I had to really begin looking at each aspect of my life and seeing even in those things that are seemingly innocent. What are some of those things that are really consuming me as far as my time, my attention, my devotion? Also, how am I guarding my heart? How am I guarding my eyes? How am I guarding my ears? As many of you all know, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, depression was something that I struggled with for a long time that the Lord delivered me of. And one thing that I think a lot of people can attest to, and a lot of people have studies, various studies have shown this, that social media plays a key role in increasing depression for a number of reasons. So I would definitely not be being totally honest if I were to say that in my journey, my 15 years 
of being on social media, that it never contributed to those depressive feelings. It certainly did. And then, of course, you know, social media is an open pool. So you are also seeing a lot of things. You're being fed a lot of information. And um, again, it's not all bad. A lot of it is valuable. It's useful. It's relevant. It's true. A lot of it is untrue. But I was filling my mind with a lot of stuff and I needed a mental, spiritual break. And I really believe that the Lord was showing me that that was going to be one of the things that I needed to step away from. Now, whether I'm stepping away from it for a time permanently, I'm not really sure. As far as what my experience has been with that so far, early on when I first deactivated my accounts, the first few days I felt fine. I didn't feel like anything because occasionally I would take breaks from social media, like not long breaks, but I would take a few days off here and there. So the first few days I was fine. It felt like one of my normal breaks. Then by the end of the first week, it was a struggle. It was really a struggle. My mind was like looking for things to fill. Uh, And it was interesting just to see how my body was reacting. Like I wasn't having any physical withdrawal symptoms per se, but I was really scattering, looking for things to do. So I would check the news a little bit more often, or I'd be on my phone on YouTube a little more often or looking at pictures or finding something else to do. So I'm like, okay, the purpose of me getting off of social media was not necessarily for me to find other things to fill it with. It was to fill that time with the Lord. So giving myself a little bit more discipline over the few weeks, I was able to find areas where I could invest more into my children, more into my home and a lot of projects that had been lingering a little bit more into my walk with the Lord, which I'm still looking for ways, better ways to fine tune that. So that's where I am so far right now. Um, But we are back here again today. You know, I haven't been on here for an episode since I want to say the beginning of April. And my plan originally was to do an episode monthly. But again, so much has happened. I have been impacted by the pandemic in certain ways. I thank God for health. We have not been touched by the pandemic and that anyone has been diagnosed with COVID, but my job has been closed down for a few months. God has still been providing financially, but it has certainly touched our family. I've been home with my children, literally home with my children for several months, (laughs) which has required much grace and much patience, but we are here and we are surviving. So I truly apologize to you all for kind of going silent for a few months but I'm hoping to be able to knock out the rest of this series. So what is this series that I speak of? We have been covering laying foundations. And so far we have touched on understanding who God is and understanding who we are in our previous episodes. So today, episode 006, will be touching on understanding who Satan is. And the very last part of this series, which will be in our next episode, is understanding our fight and who it is against. So we have been focusing on the foundations that I believe are necessary for emotional and spiritual freedom and deliverance. As we dig deeper into each of these concepts, I realize that they'll be important for our ongoing spiritual walk in general, not just for those who may be seeking emotional deliverance. So today we are going to be touching on understanding who Satan is And I think that this episode is really, really relevant. I I actually think it's really interesting. When I first started doing these series, I just had some things laid out in terms of what I wanted to cover for the podcast. 
But it's so important to be in communication with the Lord, to be in communication and be led by the Holy Spirit, because while you may be thinking that you're simply planning out your ways, God is truly orchestrating your steps. And even with the break that I took with going silent for a few months and not being able to really keep up with the podcast for a little while, I really think that it's interesting that we are going to be covering now understanding who Satan is and understanding who our fight is against, considering the current state of affairs of the world with the pandemic, with the social and racial relations, with the uprisings, the riots, the discord, it is so relevant. So Lord, I just thank you for your divine leadership, for your divine correlation. And I just ask that you will be present in this episode today in Jesus name. Amen. So I have been talking a lot about truth. Truth is the basis for being set free. For those who are really in pursuit of deliverance, for those who are really in pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ, he tells us in his word, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Truth is the basis for being set free. In the book of John, Jesus also says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. I'm aware of the reality that there are several worldviews and religions that teach that there is no Satan, and some even go as far as to teach that there is no hell. However, it doesn't take a religious person to recognize that there is a tremendous, tremendous error and evil that is present in this world. I think that even an atheist would agree on that. You don't need to be super saintly to see this. For some, the thought or even talk of evil or a devil is too overwhelmingly frightening. It may be too superstitious, but I ask this question. To whom or to what do you attribute the darkness of the world to? Whether we choose to give attention to this question or live in a secluded delusion is ultimately up to us, but it's not something that we can ignore forever. At some point or another, you will feel the effects of evil in the world in some form or fashion, whether it's in something that is so blatant as murder, robberies, violence, unkindness, unforgiveness, hatred, you will feel it in some way or another. So it's not something that you can deny. Now, I know that I've already touched on understanding who we are in episode four, But I wanted to add an ongoing observation that I have made, and this breaks my heart, but it also reveals our flesh nature and our need for a savior and cleansing. What has shaken me aside from the pandemic particularly, and this was kind of before everything took off with the social riots and upheaval that has been going on, but what really shook me probably around the month of May, the beginning of May, what shook me was the fact that aside from the pandemic, people continued with their messiness as usual. There was still a disregard for human life. There were still murders happening, still thefts, still burglaries, people still holding grudges, still feuding, still drinking, still partying. Terror and tragedy, no matter the magnitude, are not enough to wipe evil from the hearts of man. It was really interesting I think it was also right around the month of May, people had began coming out of their homes and protesting about the businesses and everything being shut down. They were protesting about having their rights and their freedom. And I'm just like, my goodness, 
everybody has their different speculation, even on the pandemic and what has caused it, if it's true, if it's not, if it's man-made, if this is something that has been sparked by government. But nonetheless, one thing that we can't ignore is the fact that people have really died and people are really dying from this pandemic. And the fact that we wanted to satisfy an itch to get back out for entertainment purposes, it blows my mind. It's like, what will it take for people to be shaken and broken? What form of judgment has to be poured out for people to change their hearts? What is it? And uh, we're not going to get too deep into this today. We might get more into it next episode. But the book of Revelation talks a lot about the judgment of God that's going to be poured out. And when you read those judgments, it can seem so unthinkably harsh. It can It's truly unimaginable the way that the earth is going to be destroyed at the end of time. But then when you think of it, it's like when you think about the hearts of man, how hard, how very hard our hearts can become as humans. God has to meet that with something that is just as extreme in the form of judgment. And then lo and behold, everything broke out with the race relations and the George Floyd situation and everything that took place after that. And you see that the hearts of man, I mean, it's just being shown on so many different fronts, so many, so many different fronts. This quote I found from C.S. Lewis, and he put it this way. And he said, the moment you have a self at all, there is a possibility of putting yourself first, wanting to be the center, wanting to be God. In fact, that was the sin of Satan. And that was the sin he taught the human race. So let's get right into this. Satan is the exact and total opposite of everything that God is. God is light. Satan is darkness. God is truth. Satan is the father of lies. God is peace. Satan is confusion and destruction. God gives abundantly. Satan comes to steal. God convicts and transforms. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is counterfeit. And some biblical scripture references for you all, these will be included in the show notes. Revelation 13, 14, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And I have a few more scriptures that I will be referencing as we go through. Satan is the orchestrator of hatred, jealousy, strife, division, pain, bitterness, fear, bondage, rebellion, and pride. There are no bargains and deals with Satan. He even hates those who do his will and serve him. He has no understanding, no compassion, no remorse, no acceptance or exceptions. He hates his very demons. His mission is powered again by jealousy, pride, and hatred. And make no mistake, he hates us. There is no one that he has partial compassion for. Compassion is not in his vocabulary. I want to cover some of the names of Satan in the Bible. His name in both Hebrew and Greek means destroyer. Some titles that we find for Satan in the Bible are Abaddon, the accuser, Adversary, Apollyon, Beelzebul, Belial, Deceiver of the World, Devil, Dragon, Enemy, Evil One, Father of Lies, God of This World, Liar, Murderer, Prince of the Power of the Air, Ruler of the Demons, Ruler of This World, and the Serpent of Old. So those are some names that are used to reference him. I thought it was very interesting in the book of Ezekiel. There was a a rebuke for the king of Tyrus, but 
If you read it, it describes the fall and nature of Satan and reveals him as the real power behind the king's government and the evil climate in that society. This is still his position today. He is the real power behind the evil climate in our society. This has been his position throughout time, the power behind the forces of evil. And this uh, scripture reference is Ezekiel chapter 28. Check out verses 12 through 19. Satan was not made evil. In fact, he was made perfect. He was made as Lucifer. And we go back to Ezekiel 28. Let's read a little bit about who he was made to be before his rebellion. He made a choice. And we're going to talk about that. And that chapter reads, You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. And who is the one speaking? God. So God created Satan. He is over him. Satan is not more powerful than God. Let's get back to it. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God, and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. And that was taken from Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 17. Satan made a choice. He realized his beauty He realized his splendor and rather than him just doing and being who God created him to be, he began to compare and exalt himself against the living God. He wanted to inhabit worship for himself. He became infected with the sin of pride and that pride because he was unwilling. That's the thing with pride. And I want to talk a little bit more about that and why pride is so dangerous. And the Bible even tells us that God hates pride. That pride drove Satan to rebellion. And as you can see, so many thousands of years into humanity, all the other things that pride, pride of Satan has driven us to all those things that pride has turned into. I have always heard a lot of talk that there is no not one sin greater than the other. If I personally and I'm not quoting this from scripture, this is just Hannah's thoughts and opinions. If I had to personally pick a sin that I think is the absolute worst. I wouldn't call out something like stealing or murder or something like that. I think the worst types of sins are certain spirits and attitudes. I would say that the worst sin is pride. I feel like pride is literally rooted at the core of every single sin. It it gives birth to all the other sins. And with Satan, one, it was horrible because he wanted worship for himself, right? So he started to exalt himself And then of all the things he could have tried to exalt himself against, he literally tried to exalt himself against his own creator, the living God almighty. But then the pride led to rebellion. I don't know, you know, that if he had decided to change his mind and repent right then and there, what the outcome would have been. But his pride chose to allow his heart to remain hardened, to puff himself up. And then he has been in opposition against God this entire time. And and he knows his final destination. Hell was created for Satan. Hell, The lake of fire was created for Satan. And that's his ultimate location. And he knows that. 
And in knowing that, that has not stopped him from doing what he's doing. He still operates in pride. And then he goes about to try to destroy God's creation because there's so much pride and so much hatred and so much bitterness. The word of God says that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. There's nothing good about that. Just to wreak complete and total havoc. Just as all angels and humans, he was given free will. He became guilty of the sin of pride due to his beauty and his position. And this birthed envy. He became envious of his very creator, the living God, and he desired that glory for himself. Isaiah 14 verses 12 to 15 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, the lowest depths of the pit. Again, that was taken from Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 15. I'm just taking a moment to think about how this literally affects us. How many times we see this attitude within ourselves, within our nation, within our communities, within our churches, where we become so puffed up with the very beauty, the very splendor, the very gifts, the very talents that the Lord God has given us. We have to be very careful how we govern and shepherd the things that the Lord has given us. We have to be very careful and cautious not to get beside ourselves with the things that the Lord has given us. One thing that just came to my mind, even the breath that we have is a gift and it's a privilege. And how many times do we think in our own strength, oh, we can do what we want with our lives. We can do what we want with our bodies. We can do what we want with our time. We were created by the Lord God. And how many times do we try to exalt ourselves? We may not look at it as us exalting ourselves up against the Lord, but we really, really are. If we are doing so much to receive the accolades, to receive the claps, to receive the likes, I started noticing with myself, kind of going back to my decisions, even with just social media, that at certain points in my journey on social media, especially when I wasn't really living for the Lord, I was doing a lot of things to be seen and liked. And I would get that adrenaline rush with the more likes that I got on a post, doing things to try to seem relevant. And and we're all guilty of this. You know, a lot of the things that we're chasing in our lives, what are we really chasing it for? What is at the root of it? Is it an issue with pride? Is it an issue with identity? Is it an issue with rejection and loneliness? So we're trying to be somebody. What if God called you to be a nobody? Literally, what if the thing that God has created and called you for has nothing to do with your follower base? What if it has nothing to do with degrees? What if it has nothing to do with your physique? What if it has nothing to do with your political party or even your race? What if it has nothing to do with any of those things and you are totally missing the mark? I realize that sometimes we can be born for a single purpose. It could be the very simple purpose of leading someone else to the Lord or showing someone love and that love in turn 
turning and reshaping the course of that person's life so that they could go on to do something else. I look at John the Baptist in the Bible, for example, look at his entire life. He was born literally to pave the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. At certain times that required him living out in the wilderness, eating grasshoppers and honey. Imagine if he had just kind of taken up the culture of the day and decided to become a religious leader, to become a Pharisee or a member of the Sanhedrin, studying the Torah and studying the laws and studying the the Old Testament and kind of, you know, wearing the, the religious robes and the dress. And he just paved that way out for himself without really knowing and obeying what God created him for. As strange as this sounds, as I'm thinking about this with Satan, who was created as Lucifer, if he had done what God had created him to do and he stayed in his lane and he did not become infected and a slave to the sin of pride, what would this all look like right now? What would the world look like right now? So one, it goes to show you the impact of sin, the impact of pride. We're still all, every single human that has ever walked the face of the earth and every single human who will walk the face of the earth from this day forward will be touched by the choice of Satan. So that goes to show you that sin touches people. You may think of it as your decision, your sin, your choice, but it touches, it reverberates in the spirit. It reverberates and it touches something else. What would this have been? We're still feeling the effects of Satan's choice. It touches all of us. What would this have been if he walked in obedience and he stayed in his lane or even if he was repentant? What will that mean for you and the generations to come after you if you decide to be repentant, if you decide to put down your pride? What would it mean? Satan's most powerfully used strategy is deception. He uses deceit to encourage us to sin. Check out 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. It says, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Many times Satan has been depicted as this red creature with the horns and the tail and he's holding like a pitchfork. That is not him. If people, if that was really him, eh, <laughs> People would be running the opposite way. They wouldn't want anything to do with him. But Satan deceives because he's so cunning. He's sly like a fox and he appears as an angel of light. He appears and he presents his sin and his options as things that are potentially harmless and even presents things that make total sense. That's why it's so critical for us to walk and be led by the spirit because he can present things that may be even seemingly good. When he approached Eve in the Garden of Eden, the proposal that he made to her was very enticing. He, first of all, he went against what God said. He said, you will not die. You know, God said, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. But he said, you won't die. You'll just be like a God. You'll, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. You'll be so wise. Don't you want to be wise? And when you hear that, it sounds harmless. Who wouldn't want to be wise? Who wouldn't want to be smart? Who wouldn't want to have knowledge? So Satan disguises himself. Second Corinthians 11, three says, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That is again, why it's so important for us to guard our hearts and our minds. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, in their case, the God of this world, and remember we covered the names of Satan. One of those names was the God of this world. So we're referencing Satan. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I want to talk about that a little bit. Last year, as a gift, I received a wonderful book. It's a wonderful resource for praying for the lost. And one of the ways in which it guides you to pray for the lost is just praying that their eyes would be open. See what happens with unbelievers. Satan has them in a place where they're blinded. And once he blinds them, he leaves them alone. Um, not per se. He continues to impact and affect their lives because he hates everyone. But an unbeliever is not a threat to Satan. They're already in darkness. They're already in bondage. He already has them blindfolded. One of the names of Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So he constantly has a target for those who are Christians. But when you pray for those who are lost, when you pray for the people in the world who are lost, pray that their eyes would be open, that their eyes would be illuminated, that the blindfold would be removed because the God of this world has blinded their minds to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus came so that we could have abundant life. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy life. The word says in John 8, that he, Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. Death became a thing when he pursued Eve to disobey God. Going back to what we were talking about with Eve, that's found in Genesis 2, 17. God told Eve, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Some of the biggest lies of the enemy stunt our growth. They discourage us. They send us on fits of false power and false comfort. Some of those lies are he doesn't exist, meaning Satan. He will try to convince us that God doesn't exist. Another lie will never be free. So that's how he keeps us in the circle of bondage and condemnation. That whatever we're struggling with, whatever it is, will never be free. Another lie he feeds us is that we're in control. It's your life. You take control of it. Another lie, we're all alone. Our situation will never change. This is a huge lie. He tells us that we're okay. We're sinless. We're good people. We don't, we don't need to change. What does that do? It leads us away from ever repenting, right? And we know that we have to repent to receive God's forgiveness. Another lie he'll tell us, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? That's what he did with Eve. She knew what she heard from God because he gave her the directive specifically. In the fine print, in a couple episodes ago, we talked about the fine print. The fine print is the word of God, the Bible. God tells us exactly what he means and exactly what he is saying. But Satan will literally come to us and have us double guessing or thinking that we're an exception to the rule. Did God really say that? Did God really mean that you shouldn't go that far? That you shouldn't, you know, do that? Did he really mean that? This feels so good. It feels so right. Another lie he'll tell us, there is no absolute truth. And I think this is absolutely critical, especially today. He will tell you that there is no absolute truth. Truth is subjective and ultimately how each person wishes to define and interpret. But I need you all to be reminded the Bible is unchanging and it is absolute. And I'm going to put a link for an amazing read on this. But one of the biggest lies he'll tell us is that there's no absolute truth. And what I have seen that morph into over the years 
is an ex- extreme forms of even liberalism. I don't want to get too deeply into politics, but when you really look at a lot of liberal viewpoints, good becomes bad, bad is good, up is down, down is up. If you want it to be right is left, left is right. If you want it to be everything, there's no absolute truth. You go on whatever feels right, whatever feels good. Well, that doesn't work that way. The Bible is unchangeable and it is totally absolute. Go back and check out my episode on understanding who God is. That is one of the things that I speak about. God is absolute. Um, and so, yeah, those are some of the things that he deceives us with. Um, Satan really comes to affect our thought process. Not everything that he does is so extremely overt. Satan will plant seeds in your mind, seeds of doubt. He'll plant seeds through the disappointments that you experience in life. He'll plant seeds through even some of the victories that you experience in life. He will plant thoughts. And and that's primarily, I have found, that is one of the ways that he works. And he works to avert everything that God has set in place. Another observation that I have made is that Satan only flees from you for a season. When you think about Jesus in the wilderness, he left Jesus after tempting him in the wilderness, but it was for a season. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. As Christians, it can be discouraging sometimes because you feel like every time you get up, a certain amount of time goes by and you're getting knocked again. Don't let this throw you off or make you doubt God's truth or even doubt God's presence with you. Satan will flee from you for a season. His job is to be the accuser of the brethren. That is what he does. But God will never leave you. He will never forsake you and he will never leave you out there to dry. He will never leave you unequipped. He will let you know how to fight. You got to go back to that fine print and that's in his word. He will equip you. Remember, Satan is powerful, but God is all powerful. Satan does not know the future. Satan cannot be everywhere at one time. God is everywhere at one time. God has written history. He has written the future. He holds it all in his hands. So you remember who is your father? Who is your leader? Who is your king? Who is your protection? And let that be your encouragement. I like this quote from Jim Raley. It says, the devil has a scheme, but God has a plan. And I want to close out today with another quote. I don't know if this is necessarily a song, but I came across this and it's by Charity Bancroft. And it says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within Upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. You are covered by the blood of the Lamb. You are covered by the living God. And the word tells us to not be ignorant of Satan's vices, which is why we took the time out to talk a little bit today about who Satan is. He is the force behind the evil climate in our world today. 
And he would love to have us look at this as though it's people, as though it's circumstances. Those things play a factor, but there is an engine that is driving those things. And Lord willing, we will be concluding this series next month with understanding our fight and who it is against. Ladies, until next time. That's it for today, but the journey continues. Visit she'smarked.com for more episodes and to check out the Marked Life blog. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe, tell a friend, and share. Remember, the word tells us that many are called, but few are chosen. As you go through this week, remember to walk as children of light.